really do. You're a 21 year old punk fucking kid. This grandpa's given you everything all your fucking life. You've never had a car payment, a house payment. Everything you live in was given to you by grandpa. You fucking don't know what it's like to work for a fucking living like I do. To bust my fucking ass and do what I do. And you know what, Sean? You fucked me, and that's the way you got it. But you know what? Your grandpa's money will run out someday, and you'll have to feast for yourself. Get a fucking job, you piece of shit. Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walchef with Cali Comfort Barbecue, and we are recording live in Spring Valley above the butcher shop with uh, my man Derek Marceau from Valley Farm Market. Uh, it's holiday time, and uh, we got a special holiday episode for you guys. Yeah, it's, it's exciting, man. We're um, It's kind of chilly today. Um, <laughs> kind of getting into the, the weather of uh, the winter. So, you know, it's, it's bringing, you know, if you drive down my uh, street... In Hamul, uh, the leaves are actually changing colors. You get outside, it's kind of fucking really? cold. It's like, wow, man. December. Kind of reminds me of like Kansas, colors, you know, right? when I used to live out there. And I was like, man, this is actually I'm getting seasons in San Diego. Who would have thought that? It's pretty uh, pretty wild. But with the seasons brings um, a lot of uh, business for, for butcher shops, for um, grocery stores, people, you know, making beautiful recipes and, and, and ribeyes and prime ribs and um, pismos and all that good stuff for a, for a butcher shop. So we figure we might as well uh, bring in one of the best, right? Absolutely. I mean, this, uh, we were talking just before the podcast, how, you know, just because of this podcast, it's forced us to go outside of things that we normally do. And um, it allows us to spend time with people that we admire from afar. Um, and, you know, Heart and Trotter, um, we've been following your story. Uh, we've seen, you know, what you guys are doing, making an impact in San Diego, uh, doing something that other people aren't doing. And uh, to have James uh, Holtzlag here today with us, um, we're missing his business partner, Trey Nichols, who uh, we know is expecting another um, another baby. So congratulations to him and his family. Uh, I had my first baby when we were doing this podcast. And it's uh it's a journey and we uh we know all the pressures of of having a family but also running a business so um for you taking the time to come out here and to talk shop with uh with Derek and myself we really appreciate it so welcome thank you very much i'm really glad to be here yeah well, um, this should be fun yeah well uh yeah why don't you uh, kind of dive in a little bit and kind of tell you tell us how you got into an industry of uh, the butcher shop, you know, because it's a, <clears throat> a thing for me. I did it because it's what we've, we've been doing for 62 years. You know, my family, uh, my grandpa came from Chicago and, and opened up this store. So, I mean, I guess my family's been doing it pro probably pretty close to 100 years. Um, but what, what got you into it, man? So, I grew up on the East Coast, uh, uh, Virginia, in the country. So, me and my dad, ever since I was probably about four years old we'd go hunting and fishing and um we would always process the animals um utilize every part of the animal that we did and uh i went to college came out here and started to realize that um everyone was really disconnected from their uh their meat source um we started asking people where did you get your meat from everyone it was either vons or costco or something like that and um we always kicked around the idea trey and i of opening up a butcher shop but at that point we were uh just out of college and um both kind of trying to figure out what we wanted to do for the rest of our lives uh both in the corporate world trey still is um, which isn't a bad thing. He sells medical equipment. Right. Um, but uh, let me see. I was doing project management for uh, construction companies. Nice. And um, did that for several years. Um, wasn't a big fan. Uh, basically, my job was just to yell at people all the time. And that's <laughs> really... Crack that whip. Yeah. That's really not who I am. Um <clears throat> Anyway, so about, uh, what, six years ago, uh, that's when the, the economy was really hurting. A lot of the construction started going down, um, and I was able to get laid off, which at the time I really wasn't sure how that was going to turn out, but uh, it was a blessing. So I had uh, unemployment. 
um, I was basically being paid for the next year uh, to go and find something that I that I really enjoyed. And so it was at that point that I went to my friends and family and was like, hey, guys, let's uh, let's do something. Um, this is something that we're all really passionate about. And uh, there's nobody in San Diego that does this. So from there, we started um, getting money and uh, putting together the business plan, all that fun stuff, um, everything that comes with when I get business and uh, started researching farms, talking to as many people as we could um, from butcher shops here um, all the way over to New York. And uh, we just absorbed it like a sponge. And, um, and then we started doing a CSA type program. Right. Um, that was the first thing. Um, we set up some freezers and some uh, a couple different produce markets and uh, gyms, and that was really big with like the um, uh, the gym crowds. Um, but uh, yeah, so we started do- getting some revenue and started looking for a uh, a brick and mortar, and we decided that. Um, that North Park was the spot for us. Yeah, it was a kind of up-and-coming spot, right? Yeah. Uh, North Park and kind of more of a little, I mean, I don't want to say trendy in a bad way, but it's more of a trending place. <laughs> it and definitely is. For sure. Um, so what what made you go out, you know, did you go to these different farms? Did you go out and, and, and see them? Um, for me, <clears throat> so what we do here is a little bit different than what you do. So I do buy a subprime. We used to buy whole sides my whole life. Um but now I go out to all my farms. So I only get stuff from Greater Omaha. So I, I go out there. I just met with Henry last two months ago. And uh, being able to see the process, because like you said, a lot of people are getting their, their meat and it's all commodity beef, right? You're getting IVP, National, all this stuff where they're buying lots. They don't care if it's Holstein, Brahma, Angus, Hereford. It doesn't matter. They're just bringing in whatever, cheapest price. As long as it grades choice, they don't give a shit, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, it's antibiotic free. Well, it's not eating antibiotics, but they're still putting it in the ear. They're still doing those little tricks that people don't understand. Yep. What made you choose your 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 farms that you have? Um, that's one of the biggest uh, and hardest things that we we did. Um, first of all, we had to find the farms, uh, which took a lot of research, um, years. And uh, once we did, yes, we would go out and and inspect and see what they they were doing, mm-hmm. how the whole. Th- Thing worked the whole process from uh, raising animals to the slaughterhouse and that was um, not only a good thing as far as making sure they are doing what they say that they're doing but we were also learning at the same time yeah and so you learn a lot going out there and uh, and seeing the whole process and um, a lot of our ranchers were um, fairly new to it also um, when we first started how big were their catalogs today you know, were they raising tens and twenties, or were they raising hundreds and thousands? Like, what, what, how big were they? It was in like the the fifty to seventy five okay. range. Yeah. And what kind of cattle was it? Um, those were a uh, shoot. I don't even remember what we started off on. We have a different cattle rancher now. Um, we started off on a really small farm that went out of business. Okay. How far away um, are we talking about? They were in, uh, close to Ventura. Okay. Yeah. Um, I bet you it was Holstein then. It was, um, it was a different breed. Um, it was a European breed. Charlotte? But, uh-uh. It wasn't Charlotte? No. Hmm. I don't remember. There was a short-legged but, Angus that comes from England that could have been a short-legged Shortly, Angus. Yeah, it wasn't in, in Angus yeah. either. But um, anyway, um, so now we use um, a uh, an Angus cross that's uh, that's up in um, just south of the Bay Area. Yeah, um, for the hundred hundred percent grass fed stuff. Uh, so grass grass fed, grass finished. Mm-hmm. They slaughter, they do everything, and then you guys get it sides, or how do you guys get it subprimal? Uh, quarters. Quarters? Yeah. Okay. And so we'll, uh, depending on the part of the year. Can you explain kind of what a, a quarter is to people that are listening so they understand, you know, what, what, how a quarter comes? Cause 
I bet you a lot of people have never seen a quarter of anything. <laughs> yeah. We invite people back into our uh, walk-in all the time just to see it, and um, it usually blows their mind. Um, but uh, a quarter of a cow, you're looking at about uh, 150 pounds of meat, and basically it's from uh, the rib section up to the shoulder, and then the final rib down to the round is going to be the uh, the hind but uh yeah so that's how we get them break them down and uh put them in the case so i've always you know for for doing it been kind of nervous about doing that because a lot of people i mean let's be honest you're gonna you're gonna buy a lot more of your loin cuts than you are gonna be with your chucks and rounds Mm -hmm. so how do you go through the process of do you have to buy any extra exports for the holidays and stuff like that because you can't just bring in all quarters, right? Because if, if you if you had to sell, I don't know, a couple hundred exports, and you don't you don't want a couple hundred rounds, right? Because no. I mean, what, what are you <laughs> yeah. gonna do with a couple hundred rounds? Yeah, so we get uh we get extras. Okay. Um, so I just tell my rancher, okay, this is how many that we're expecting to sell, mm-hmm. and um, so he'll uh, he'll put those aside um, as we go, right, and then go from there. So it's a it's a big process as far as uh, as far as his animal management and uh and then going from there but um yeah it's uh it's a lot more complicated than most people think no it is because i mean one of the biggest things you have to make sure is waste right what are you going to do with your waste and i I see you guys are doing a lot of sausages and doing doing different stuff which you know and i say waste in in the most beautiful way because it's not waste it's you know just how do you how do you get yeah, it has to come in the back door and has to go out the front door. And if you pay for it in the back door, you have to make sure it goes out in the front door be, sure. being paid for. So, you know, is there any creative things that you guys are doing to to do besides sausages? Um, yeah, we're always uh, we're always trying to figure out different ways uh, to utilize all the little parts and pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, one being we have um, marketed those specific cuts, um, something like the. Uh, the faux hanger, which is um, only a couple pounds uh, per animal, mm-hmm. and um, and then everything from we make all of our own charcuterie. Um, so all nice. of the deli meats that we make um, or have uh, we make in house, and so everything from hot dogs to um, bologna, salami cotto. Um, let me see mortadella. Uh, we make a 100% grass-fed roast beef. Uh, let me see, beef bacon, pork bacon. Um, kind of going through the list here, um, and list goes on. So, do you guys do anything um, for beef jerky? Because I'll tell you, some of my biggest, sort of my inside top round after I take the cap off, that center muscle is probably we sell more beef jerky sliced out of that than anything else so yeah. if you ever need to get rid of some stuff like that i mean just tell them you know jerky meat and we we sell god i, I, I probably 250 to 400 pounds a week of Dang. just jerky meat really slice up yeah yeah so it's just people like once they get it they're like man you know we're getting you know USDA prime stuff, and it's actually really really good stuff. After we we smoke ours, but you know some yeah. people dehydrate or whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. But it's also probably a good way to get rid of those rounds that uh, people aren't buying or whatever. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the rounds go into um, into burger meat, right. um, but uh, beef jerky is definitely something that we we don't do right now. But we've been playing with it, um, and that's what I've been trying to figure out as far as uh, smoking it and coming up with all of our recipes and all that fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's crazy. You guys get through a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's, a, it's a process because all the trimming you're taking off that, too, we actually put that in our grind as well. Um, and then once you kind of spoil someone with just that center cut, they just want to keep coming back and just yeah. taking that center cut. So, yeah, like you said, it's kind of that, that cat and mouse game. You got to figure out, you know, what works best and where you can uh, monetize that stuff. But, you know, and then the chuck. I mean, what are you guys doing with the chuck besides grinding? Uh, Roasts? And- yeah, just pretty much roasts. Um, we'll do uh, chuck steaks also uh, and just tenderize them. And then flat um, irons out of the clod mm-hmm. and. Yep. Um, let me see. There's other parts and pieces that we definitely have tried to sell, and they just don't sell. Things like the Scotch Tinder 
Um, and, uh, and let's see what else. Some of the, uh, like sirloin tips don't really sell. So. They don't. They used to a lot. They yeah. used to sell the shit out of sirloin tips and we, we, I can't sell it to save my life right now. No. So we, uh, we'll actually take those and, um, and slice them really thin and just make a marinated like carne asada out of it right. and, uh, go from there. But, um, yeah, you're constantly trying to figure out what the customer wants and, and sees what, see what works. Yeah. Can, go from can you talk a little bit about the process of, I mean, I think what's really cool is the process you went through to learn how to be, I mean, you know, obviously with your dad and hunting in the beginning, but you know, did you go to school for business? Yeah, you did. So you went to school for business, but you had this burning desire to open up, you know, a butcher. So what, what was your process like to, to learn the skills that you acquired? So I did a apprenticeship, um, at uh, a little butcher shop up in LA called Lindy Grundy. Um, they were, uh, they were really popular. Um, when they were open, I, they've, uh, they've closed since, um, a couple of years ago. Do you know why they closed? Um, I believe there was, uh, you know, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I have no clue. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, I was an apprentice up there, and so um, Erica, paid, you were you were you paid to be an apprentice. I paid, yeah, okay. yeah. And so I knew at that point that I wanted to open up a, a butcher shop down here, and I didn't want to just go to like Costco or go to um, any supermarket and learn from there. So uh, so I contacted them. Um, they contacted me back. It was kind of like a perfect storm situation. And, uh, I was able to get an apprenticeship with them, um, within a month or so of me contacting them. Was first. this something that they did regularly or just this, you, you proposed the idea to them? I was their second or third, I think. Okay. How'd you hear about uh, it or did you just <clears throat> research and, and find Yeah, them? just researched uh, butcher shops. A yeah. um, couple of my chef friends um, did a little bit of researching for me too. And uh, one of our good friends, Alex Lira, that just won um, Best Chef in Charleston, actually. Um, he found these guys and uh, sent us a link and then we checked it out and called them and um, went from there. So I was, uh, I was working... Um, every day for about 12 hours, just, uh, just breaking down animals until <laughs> it was check arms it, and just doing all that stuff that yeah. no one else wants to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically. I mean, the, I think the first three days I was there, all I did was, uh, debone lamb necks yeah. and, um, and it was great. It was good. Um, that's how I really honed in my knife skills and learned to, uh, learn to hold a knife and cut like a, uh, like a murderer. Right. Um, and then went from there. So, uh, yeah, I started off with lamb and then moved to pork and then moved to beef. Beef is definitely the most difficult, um, not only because of the, the size and the weight, but, um, there's a lot of different, um, muscles that are isolated that are, um, that are really good too. So I learned the process of taking basically, each muscle off layer by layer. Isn't it crazy too? Because I don't think people understand, like you get a, a top sirloin, people don't understand there's three muscles in that top sirloin. You know, you got the culotte, <clears throat> then you got your little base. I mean, there's three muscles mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I mean, you can cut it as one and have a steak and it'll still eat fine. You yeah. Know? But there's actually three muscles and a lot of them, they go different ways. Yep. And that, that culotte in the bottom is probably one of my favorite, you know, if, yeah. if it's done right and um, taking that cap off. And I know the Brazilians use it a lot um, mm-hmm. for pancada. I think that's what it's called. Um, they put it on a skewer. But for for you as a hunter, do you guys it was whitetail out there? Yeah. Yeah, so you do a lot of whitetail. We I did a lot of that in Kansas and just learning the anatomy of, of you know, the, the animal I bet help helped a lot because yeah. you're probably a step above what they're used to getting for apprentice and you're like, Oh, okay, well I know where that's at or or you know where to break at least, you know, for a little <laughs> yeah. bit. That's uh that's probably helped them out at uh, up in LA. <clears throat> yeah, they definitely did. Um, they were really excited after I kind of got my bearings there, and uh, I was—I mean, they were getting free labor. Well, sure. I was paying them for, yeah. for labor. That, that's a good deal. That's a good deal for them. I need <laughs> yeah. to look into that. Yeah, for sure. We're, that'll, um, that'll help me out a lot. <laughs> my payroll. Right? 
I know. Who, who does that? Who just says, okay, here, let me pay you. I want to yeah. come learn from you. That's, yeah. that's, no, that's awesome. That's kudos to you that wanting to take the initiative to go do that. Sean and I talk about it a lot. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not sexy. It's not, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's like, here's my end goal. Here's why I want, I want to get that brick and mortar. I want to do stuff and I don't want to go in there blind, yeah. not knowing that someone says, Hey, can you take the musk land out of the lamb leg? And you're like, no fucking idea what the musk land is, you know? You got to take that shit out before it gets gaming, you know? Yeah. People don't understand those little things are big things. Mm-hmm. And when you can talk to them and, and teach your consumer, right, they become more vested in you because sure. you're teaching them, like, hey, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take the hip bone out. I'm just going to leave one bone in there. I'm going to fold everything up, take the musk land out for you. And they're like, the hell is that? But they, they're like, that, they love watching it. They love seeing it and what, what's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, you they become so much more vested in wanting to be a part of what you're creating. I think what you're doing is amazing. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, um, that was the biggest uh, biggest thing that we wanted to do uh, when we were in the process of designing our store is uh, have the butcher block not behind a door, but right there in front, um, so people can come and look and watch you'd be surprised how many people like well, bring their kids in and they they just watch the whole process and, right and it's and then, it's your mission statement right transparency which i derek and i we absolutely love is you you bring people into the journey and to the process and you know we noticed that you put on those cooking classes and you know you do that with full intent to continue to educate you know the consumer yeah yeah that's um that's a big part of what we do um every new customer uh, that comes in, it's it's almost like a five to ten minute conversation of what we do, why we do it, and uh, and the pricing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, good meat is uh, is expensive. And then you're you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable, which is hard because mm-hmm. you're 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 out there and you're saying, "Here I am. Here's what I'm doing. I'm breaking this down." I mean. 90% of people wouldn't know if you miss somewhere, you know, cut into a different muscle, but it's, you're, you're putting yourself out there. And, and <clears throat> when you do miss and you cut into something else and you're trying to create a steak out of it, you're fucked, right? You have a big, <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm sure you've learned from, from your mistakes and done stuff, but yeah. it's, uh, it's not easy. I don't, people, the reason why people don't break down cattle as much as they used to is because it's fucking hard mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's not, I mean, like we said, you know, doing those chuck arms, getting a West Coast chuck out of it. It's like, dude, just give me the fucking roll. All I want is a fucking chuck roll or give me a claw to boneless so I can just cut them in and do a butcher knot and tie them into to roasts. It's a lot harder to do everything else. But I think, you know, what Sean's saying, it's the story. It's mm-hmm. you're sharing the story behind it and, and educating your consumer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's uh, that's one of the reasons that we have been successful and um and can sell the meat that um at the prices that we do is um a lot of it is the story sure and so um the story of the ranchers i mean everything from where they were um raised to uh to slaughtered and then straight down to us um and yeah it's uh it's really difficult it's really labor intensive um and uh especially for me a quarter weighs about as much as i do too so um (laughs) you could imagine imagine that wrestling uh, it around (laughs) yeah but um no it's great um it's it always makes me happy when people bring in their family in to take pictures we're we're totally open as far as that goes um, I don't know how many people have gone into our walk-in um, next to the hanging pigs and the uh, the quarters and took pictures of themselves or with us or whatever. But um, yeah, once once they do that, they're pretty much hooked. So. And what are you doing for your your pigs? Same same type of concept with the yeah. the beef and mm-hmm. different different farm, same farm, different farm. Um, it's from Cook Pigs uh, Ranch. They were down here in um, in Julian for. A, a long time and then now they just uh partnered up with a another ranch up in santa rosa uh where all those fires hit but it didn't affect them um so yeah they uh they personally bring down their um i get uh, a couple a week and uh we just load them off their uh off their truck and goes right into our walk-in and uh we process it from there 
So, um, so we get all the, all the organ meats, um, and the coal fat and all that fun stuff, uh, along with the heads too. And we'll, uh, we'll process them, make head cheese, make scrapple. Dude, um, head cheese and scrapple. People probably don't even know what that is out here. <laughs> it's, it's wild. There's a uh, scrapples. Uh, we actually been selling quite a bit of it lately. Yeah. yeah and, and head cheese. I mean, I think people would probably out here like throw up if they you know, <laughs> really knew what goes in there. Have you had head, head, head cheese? I'm sure. I'm sure my Bulgarian heritage. I'm sure that they're they're down with the head cheese. <laughs> well, that, tell them what goes in they, the head they cheese. They eat every every part of the animal. Yeah. There's no waste. Like you know, we went on a fishing trip with my wife and her her my father-in-law and my brother-in-law, and you know, we went deep sea fishing. You know, caught a bunch of amazing fish, and then you know they were cutting it up on the on the boat and he was like what the fuck are they doing what are they doing with all that it's like oh people don't want to take that home he's like i'll fucking take it home are you guys crazy <laughs> yeah. you know and it's like it, it's just it's a completely different mentality yeah you know it's completely different when you start to understand that there are certain you know you can utilize different parts of animals you know and actually um there's things that you can make with them yeah yeah that are absolutely delicious i mean a lot of people um, we'll shy away. Like we'll do a, uh, a smoked blood sausage that is just amazing. Um, and then anytime, well, not everybody, but a lot of people will freak out because, um, it's, it's actually blood. Um, but, uh, yeah. And head cheese and scrapples and stuff like that, but they're delicious. It's absolutely amazing. You just got to, uh, you got to try it. Um, we even do like haggis and stuff like that for uh, for people, um, and I honestly I hadn't even tried that until um, about two or three years ago. And you just hear the horror stories of mm-hmm. f- of how horrible haggis is, but it's actually r- really good. Yeah. Um, There's and, some head uh, cheese up there, Sean. If you've ever had that, yeah, um, that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it's a like no. the south. It's really, really big in the south and east. It's not uh, so big out here west. Yeah, the uh, um, if you get it normally processed, like out of the supermarket, ours is a lot different. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, really gelatinous product. Um, that's what a lot of them are too. Yeah, and um, you them, it's a little different. Um, a lot of those guys actually use gelatin and stuff like that. We don't. Uh, we just use the natural gelatin that um, that comes from the animals, the bones, the trotters, um, all that stuff. And so it's a lot different when you put it in your mouth and all that gelatin just um, melts instead of uh, being bouncy and chewy and weird. Yeah. But um, so that's that's a great part of what we do. Uh, anybody that's listening, we uh, we we work really hard. We have uh, Layla and Corey. They work really hard on the show notes to put any um, links or anything that we're talking about into those show notes uh, as a resource for you. So um, you can go and learn more about Hart and Trotter and their cooking classes and stuff like that. So be sure to check the, that out. Um, we uh, I'm very curious about the Kickstarter campaign uh, because we do have people that want to open up a business. Um, they're looking at finding investors, pitching fam- friends, family. Um, but you successfully raised money on Kickstarter. And uh, if you could tell us kind of what was successful and yeah. what, what to do and what not to do. And would you do it again? <laughs> Correct. Because <laughs> right. having, giving, when, when, someone, when you take someone's money as an investment, um, there are a lot of things that need to be discussed that people typically don't discuss, mm-hmm. uh, contracts that need to be made that typically don't get made. Um, and it can ruin family relationships. It can ruin um, friendships. And you know, one of the biggest things you know you do when you're as an entrepreneur is you 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 are your word. You know, if I say that I'm going to do something and I don't do it, then that's going to eventually catch up to me. Yeah. And you know, it's going to start with raising the money to start this business. Yeah, sure. Sean brings up a great point. You know, we need to know because <clears throat> I haven't ever done a Kickstarter, but like 
what are the pros and cons of it, you know, for, for people listening? So the biggest pro I would say would be the marketing aspect of it. Um, just getting your name out and, um, whether people give you money or not, you're sharing your story. Um, yeah, exactly. And, uh, especially to a local, local market and local neighborhoods and stuff like that. They, um, they hear about it. They see your, your logo, um, and they remember you after you, uh, open up. And, um, yeah, so Kickstarter was a pain in the ass. (laughs) We like honesty. Give give it to us. It was fucking horrible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Did I get my name on the wall for $5? Yeah. 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 Can I put Derek's name uh, on the wall also? Yeah. (laughs) For $2.50? Yeah. And my dog for fifty cents. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so the uh the trickiest part is really coming up with a um with a list of um I guess not uh pledges. Um <clears throat> and so yeah, we started off from everything from five dollars up to I think like six hundred dollars or something like that. Um seven fifty, eight fifty. Sixteen. I think you had a ten thousand. Ten thousand? Yeah, ten thousand. You had one backer at ten thousand? I love it. That was probably one of us. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely paid for that. Yeah. It's totally cool with us. Um, yeah. And so um, that's one of the tricky parts to Kickstarter. If you don't reach your goal within that amount of time, then you don't get any of the money. Oh, is that right? Seriously? I had no idea about that. I didn't yeah. know that either. And so how, long, how long can you use it for I mean, it's it's anywhere from um one month to two months that's as long as you can go to actually raise they the, keep money. the money if you don't raise enough no it just it just goes back to, oh it goes back to the um, oh whoever pledged because okay. you're ple- you're pledging a service or a product yeah. correct yeah and what was the most successful thing that you pledged so um definitely like t-shirts um we had everybody that uh that pledged for us, um, their name got written on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's, that's cool. That's yeah. I mean, and, that, um, that works for nonprofits all the time. It works for stadiums at work. You're getting your name somewhere, you're getting recognition for being a part you got of the eight thousand dollars from the hundred one dollar one, right? Nice. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the meat TSA was a really good one. Um, let me see the brunch with the butchers that went pretty quick. Uh, that was just at Tornado. Um, and yeah, I guess being in North Park, you have to, you know, indulge in the beer industry too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. We do, uh, we do a lot of events, um, especially at Tornado, but we do, uh, butcher, um, uh, demos. And cross, so, cross promotional events. Yeah. 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 How's that so, been with the health department? Um, they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what health department? Right. No, they've been a fucking... You know, Thorn in our side for a long time. Sean and I are actually, we just talked about it earlier today. We're going to have a meeting with them about the different events that we do and stuff. And it's like, man, you guys keep trying to nickel and dime us. And we're, you're supposed to be helping us. Yeah. And yeah. you're supposed to be educating. And you're supposed to be doing all these things that you're not. You're just fucking with your hands out wanting monies and f- money and fees. And it's not, it's not a good relationship. It doesn't yeah. work for everybody. And yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think they can probably say, fuck you, but it's, it's like okay, well then we'll we'll play the game as well. Well, you, ha- I mean, you have to be willing to have the tough conversation, and you know, globally looking at, you know, we can't just look at the Del Mar Barbecue Championship as one event, you know, because we're partners with Del Mar Thoroughbred Club. They, you know, they they do so much for us to put on that event, and they put on all kinds of food events throughout their race summer racing season as well as their winter racing season. And different organizers go in there, and they have the same challenges that we do, mm-hmm. you know. And like, it, it really shouldn't be an adversarial relationship because we're as organizers, we're trying to get more people to participate in these events, trying to bring in other, you know, restaurant owners, other caterers, other butcher shops, because we want them to promote their business. You know, if it's a successful event, everybody wins. But yep. when there's a piece that's missing, um, you know, a conversation needs to be had. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. No, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I talk to the, uh, the health department quite often. Um, anytime that we are going to do something, um, that I'm not really sure what to do. I found that's the easiest way to kind of bridge that um, relationship and tell them, okay, we have this coming up. Um, this, this is for is like an event that do. you're doing in-house? 
No, like oh, uh, like, like outdoors or outside, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And then, what do you guys need? What do you what sh- do you need from us? What should we do? How should we set it up? Yeah. And um, they're usually pretty. At least the people that I've talked to. Good for you because um, they are pretty good. for us. <laughs> yeah. um, are they charging you a fee, like a, a permit fee, for any of that stuff? Um, not that we've had to pay. Okay. No. Um, but uh, most of them, I'm assuming that the uh, the organizers pay yeah yeah. um and we're usually just like a guest but yeah we uh we do the um uh butcher demos quite often it was really fun um especially in a uh in a drinking environment sure (laughs) um people people start to get a little loose and then uh we'll actually come up and ask questions ask questions right you um, you need engagement yeah yeah yeah. it it makes it more fun makes the time fly by and especially it's it's exciting when you can teach someone about about what's going on yeah yeah and um a lot of times we'll just uh we'll either sample out some of the stuff or uh or even sell it um to the crowd and so people are always really excited whenever they see an, an animal go from a animal to meet mm-hmm, and, sure um so uh that's always really fun i think you know part of you know the podcast is behind the smoke but you know what's really engaging for people is when you rev- when you peel back the layers of why people are doing things in business and you know especially in a butcher shop you know in a restaurant there's these huge corporations that they're you know everything they do is to protect what they do and now we live in a world where we want to learn you know and we're active and we're engaged and like when you go to a and put on a demonstration like that and you're revealing, hey, I care about every single part of this process. Our team here, this is intent. Like we care deeply and I want you to know so that you understand, you know, this is the this is our this is our process and this is what we love to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh we do that all the time and um it's something that I'd really like to do is uh I'll we'll get requests from um, elementary schools, high schools, stuff like that. That uh, a teacher will want to bring in their students mm-hmm. um, to cool. to come in and watch. And so I'll just go in early and do like a little demonstration and talk to them uh, about what we do and why we do it, and uh, and go from there. So that's a uh, that's really neat to start to have an impact on uh, on people when they're young, and um, so they can carry that through life yeah I think hopefully just uh, like we're talking about that engagement really helps out <clears throat> i know we've been you know we struggled a little bit with growth because we've been you know trying so hard to engage everyone and then growing so much and getting bigger coolers and getting you know it's hard it's hard to to figure out how how to grow and how to grow the right way and, and steadily um you know with with you guys i'd imagine the growth has been pretty pretty good the whole the whole way yeah it's been it's been all right um let me see last year was better than this year this year slowed down a little bit um but uh we're constantly doing new stuff expanding um we're putting in a produce section we're going to start doing fish and start to do sushi who are you going to work with with produce um, I'm not sure yet. If I could suggest anything, because I'm going through a whole new renovation for my produce here, mm-hmm. Melissa's produce. There's a guy named Dale. I'll give you his number. Okay. He's just been one of the best guys I've ever worked with. That's just a no bullshit kind of guy because everyone's a fucking salesman and everyone's trying to sell you this and trying to just get product in your store and they don't care if it sells or not. With Dale and Melissa's produce, it's actually been like a, a relationship. Like nice. he wants me to succeed. He's telling me new in a innovative ways to to display things how to show it so for the last 40 years we probably sucked at produce and and just kind of being so big on expanding our craft beers and our and our meats and in our groceries and bringing in the cool stuff like yetis and you know all that stuff which is great i feel like we've kind of missed the boat on on produce yeah and now with with them partnering he's kind of like teaching me because it's kind of it used to be like my uncle's thing who used to do it and now it's like okay let's let's give it a shot and yeah i'm nervous about it because it's a pretty big renovation that i'm paying for to to get it the way i want it but i think the the consumer is really going to appreciate it and like we said because they know i'm gonna, i'm caring and I, i'm going to care about it i'm going to do it. it's going to be a ton of organic stuff 
<clears throat> a lot of prepackaged stuff, um, like stir fry mixes and stuff that we're going to cut up here so people can just come in and get it. They don't have to chop everything up themselves. Sure. Things like that, I think, are, are going to be, you know, awesome. No, that's, so, that's perfect. I'd, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, because like the big, the big uh, commodity stores like uh, or places like, you know, Coast Citrus and uh, some of these other places, Charlie's, they're great, but they just don't fucking care. And you're a small guy. I'm a mm-hmm. small guy. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're not, we don't have these big footprints. So definitely you know, like, like I said, Melissa's they, they care. Yeah. Those, those relationships with the, uh, the ranchers, the farmers are as important to us as the, uh, the relationships with our customers. Um, I have all of my ranchers, um, personal cell phones and talk to them on a weekly basis. Um, to see how everything's going, see what they're doing, um, and then uh, placing orders and all that fun stuff too. Um, but uh, yeah, it wouldn't be any different with produce. I would, uh, I would like that. Yeah, I mean, because there, I mean, there are a lot of um, places out here that do have, uh, you know, that guys that have their lemon trees and stuff like that that will sell to you, and it just gets a little sketchy sometimes so you just have to be kind of careful with, with <laughs> yeah. some of that and um you know but like i said man melissa's they've just been so great to to me and in my store that uh you know if they can be a help to you like i said dale dale's a man i'll uh definitely hook you up with his number and stuff okay <clears throat> so what else is gonna what's what's on the horizon what uh what do we got going man so like i just mentioned we are looking to uh to expand into fish um, and, uh, we just started doing sushi classes and cool. my, my main butcher when I'm up there is, um, he's a ex sushi chef. Um, cool. so he's What's his really name? good at it. Diego. Diego. Nice. And, um, so he's, uh, he's constantly pushing for, uh, for us to start doing sushi and stuff. And, um, and we are looking at pricing, doing all that stuff now. And uh, like sushi to order or sushi ready to pick up? Sushi to order and pick up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So You're a brave man. How big? <laughs> how big is your place right now? It's uh, about fifteen hundred square feet. Yeah, it's uh, it's tight. How it's many? Uh, it's, it's about to get tighter, <laughs> especially with fish, man. We have a little block here at the store, and it's like fuck. It. No, no question about it. And I'll be one hundred percent percent transparent fish is my biggest growing area like no question about it you know yep. you do fish right and get sustainable wild caught good quality fish and go through it fast enough to where it's always fresh you'll kill it man it's, yeah it's uh it's good that's uh that's what we're hoping so yeah. um yeah and then we have a uh, Diego. like i said he's um he knows a lot about it and he's teaching me as we go through this process so i was teaching him how to butcher whole animal and he's teaching me the other end the fish side of it so that's pretty sure. fun um but uh let me see other than that yeah we're expanding the the produce right now we really don't have any chilled produce or anything in there uh just like potatoes onions um but uh we're gonna expand that and then we really want to start to make it more of a shop like this um obviously we don't have a lot of space but uh expand the uh the dry grocery items all that fun stuff too so don't be in a hurry to do that um yeah i'm I'm in a hurry i'm (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to get away from a lot of that yeah i mean not not get away in the sense of I don't want to carry it, but I'm going to try to minimize what I have. I don't yeah. need so many SKUs. So you know, sounds similar to what you're you're wanting, but it's um, if I can minimize the SKUs, I don't need to have four different types of uh, you know noodle soups or, or yeah. uh, four different types of certain things. I just need to carry one, um, kind of like the Trader Joe mentality. Just you know, carry one shredded cheese, one. Um, one type of uh, jack cheese, not, you know, 10 different varieties of it. Um, but make sure that you're always uh, taking care of what's making you your profit because there's just not a lot of ton of profit in, in, in grocery. Yeah. There's no. not. I mean, especially, I mean, I know it's one of those things that you want to add, uh, you know, um, something for your customers, you know, so they don't have to go somewhere else. Um, but if you, if you aren't big enough to buy from a big company, the prices are going to be high. So you're going to be selling fucking 
ketchup for six bucks a bottle, you know, when you <laughs> yeah. can go down the street for three bucks. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be cool to have, but don't, uh, don't be in a rush to get it too, too fast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. Um, the produce is, uh, something that I'm excited about. A lot of, uh, a lot of our customers have been saying it for a while. Um, they'll, uh, they'll have to go to Vaughn's or go to another grocery store where they live, um, after they come to us. And, um, so we just want to expand that. Like, like I said, it was, it's only 1500 square feet, so we don't, we can't carry a lot of stuff. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, just, uh, stuff that you can make a quick dinner. Right. Sure. And then go from there. So are you wanting to grow into multiple stores? Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, we're always looking, um, we are looking up in, um, in North County. Okay. Um, a lot of our customers come down from um, North County, Ramona, all those places, right. and uh, and it's tough for them. Um, we're looking at uh, starting to ship also. E-commerce. Um, it's, it's a hard thing, man. It's all me. Yeah. It's hard as fuck. We're, uh, we're just scratching the surface on that, so I'm not too worried about it. But, um, yeah, we would like to... Uh, open up at least a satellite shop or something like that up in North County um, just to get into that market. But again, it's not too big of a year or a deal. Um, And uh, yeah, this is our third year and we've survived this long and we're, we're just kind of at the cusp of uh, paying off some of our loans and actually making something. So what kind of stuff are you guys doing for, uh, marketing and social media. You can find them at, at San Diego Butcher um, for their social handles and talk about some of the things that have been good and some of the things that you've you guys have. It's been tough for you. Sure. Um, let me see. I think the. Or do people still use Twitter? Yeah, dude, he's yeah. he's like Twitter king. Though. Are you? I'm yeah. not Twitter king. I just think that everyone should be on Twitter. <laughs> okay. You can get relationships. I mean, the media is on Twitter. So yeah. if you want, yeah, you know, if you're worried about getting, you know, news for your shop that you guys are opening up a new shop, or you want to get on TV, or you want to get on radio or in magazines, all the writers, editors, all those people are on the media. Yeah. Are on Twitter. Yeah. So, um, we are, we use Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on, um, Instagram. Um, those are the big three. Uh, and we're constantly taking pictures of stuff that we're doing in the mm-hmm. shop. Um, and, uh, and any specials or burgers or something that we threw together, um, as far as like charcuterie and, and anything that's new and fun, we'll, uh, we'll post it on, on all three of those. Um, and, uh, then we have our, our weekly, um, newsletter that goes out email and so yeah email sure. uh so we just kind of edit that depending on uh what's what's new or fun or if we're doing an event or something you like do that. sign ups digitally through mm-hmm. the email newsletter yeah yeah what do you guys use constant contact or uh, um, one of those yeah what is it i'm not sure i don't deal with it do you guys do <laughs> do you have wi-fi in your shop mm-hmm. for guests yeah so we just switched over in our restaurant to a company called Zenreach, and it's actually like a rewards-based system. So when they log in the first time, um, we capture their email, but then we know every time that they've come to the store, and then it's it's oh, been nice. awesome. And it, it also helps us grow our email list, um, which is something I don't know if they have it on the retail side, but they do it for restaurants, and it's uh, it's worked out great, especially yeah. if you're already offering Wi-Fi to your customers. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, yeah, then unfortunately or fortunately however you look at it um i pass that stuff along to my my partner yeah and, mm-hmm. um and our marketing team and then go from there um but uh yeah i'm just too busy yeah you know something that i thought about like four years ago that i thought would be a great idea and it might be something good for you is that go to where if you want to look at a like a location I was thinking about going to like some of these commodity stores that are just fucking killing it or making, you know, they're always busy, like a, you know, like a Ralph's, find, find out whatever Ralph's or Vaughn's or uh, Walmart neighborhood markets are really busy and see if they have any shops next to them and then just open up a butcher shop right there because what's, what happens is that these, these people will go to these grocery stores for cheap groceries, get what they want, and then they fucking have to go somewhere else. So I have to come here for meat or, you know, you to meet. But if you just had something right next to them and they can just go right next door, 
and you're basically capturing all their audience. <clears throat> and then you just open up right next to them and, and grab all that meat audience. I think that I, I honestly looked at doing that like four years ago. We just became too busy and we couldn't, couldn't do it. But I think that'd be like a great little thing to be able to do and then capitalize on all those people, that foot traffic going into these big grocery stores. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um, we, I mean, you'd piss them off, but we, yeah, but who cares? Um, yeah, we thought about that uh, in the beginning, and the the place that we settled on was probably like fourth or fifth in line. Yeah, um, we just kept on like North Park was really buzzing. Um, we were just getting outbid by everybody, mm-hmm. and um, but our location where we are is it's a good location. So um, how long are your what's your lease? I was just going to ask. Uh, that. It's uh, <clears throat> ten years. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good. good for you. That's um, great. Any extensions? Five and five. Good for you. Nice. Yeah. Did you have? Did you work with somebody? I had a broker. There you um, go. Yep. And uh, smart. It's uh, the building was a weird old building. They went in uh, and redid the whole thing. So they gave you TI money, and, or mm-hmm. they just did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They gave me TI money, and then um, it's tenant improvement money. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we just had a. Um, Empty space, and so we had to build out the whole thing. Um, but uh, did it take longer than expected? Yes, of course, <laughs> it always does. And it costs more, <laughs> it than, costs more than, than, you, we than you budgeted for. Yeah, um, yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't that far off um, from our budget, but uh, it definitely took a long time. Um, there was a lot of a lot of bullshit that we went through with the contractor <laughs> and then the contractor and the the owner of the building. What kind of bullshit that people can try to avoid? Because it's you know it, it's a common theme you know for anybody that's opening up a business or I mean, even if you're doing construction on your house, like there's certain things you have to do to protect yourself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the biggest thing uh, that we did is right off the bat we got a. Um, a, a really good business lawyer and uh just he everything that we got from the contractor from our um the lease agreements all that stuff just went through him first and uh he pointed out any um any things that seemed mysterious but um yeah you know um there was a with us there was a, a side contract um with uh the owner of the building and the owner of the building and the contractor um, got in a fight, and the contractor <laughs> was fired. Um, and so that affected um, our whole process, um, sure. them building out uh, our place. And then they were asking for more money, and we were saying, no, you're not getting more yeah. money. This is tenant improvement um, money, right? So this was the contractor per your lease agreement yeah. that was supposed to complete the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That gets sticky. Um, sure. and, uh, yeah, so we, so they, they were actually left the, uh, the site for like a month, um, didn't do anything. And then, uh, then finally I pushed them hard enough to where they, they finished you pushed up. the, contractor, the contractor, contractor or the landlord. Yeah. The contractor, mm-hmm. contractor and the landlord. Um, but, uh, that's a, that's a sticky situation. Anytime you're already well, fighting. Kudos, with kudos your, uh, to you. I mean, because like what, what's happening between them has nothing to do with you. Like, yeah. You don't give a shit. You're like, I need to get this place open. So, mm-hmm. you know, you guys can do whatever you want, but under my terms, under my agreement, you know, I need, I need help. Yeah. So figure it out. You guys figure it out yourself, but come, you know, take care of my shop. Yeah. They were, uh, they were acting like little kids basically, but, um, yeah. it's, uh, it it's, was a really good learning experience. It's good that you had an attorney to to lean on as well because yeah, yeah. you know that you you're always trying to save expenses in the beginning and one of the most expensive things you do is hiring an attorney yep. um but you know even if you have friends that are attorney I mean people were willing to help and those it's it's crazy if you don't get it on the contract if you don't get the specifics you know of whatever that construction project is the scope of the work when it's going to be delivered when that payments are going to be made because if you don't hold money back and you're you know just distributing money that it'll be gone yeah yeah you know, it goes it'll quick. be gone quick fast <laughs> i mean a lot faster than what you would, would imagine you know you think like oh i got a good lump of change and then you know just one thing happens and it's fucking gone it's, yeah it's gone and it ain't coming back Mm-hmm. You know, how'd you guys do on equipment? You guys just, uh, you guys use Forstner knives. What knives are you using? What yeah. saws? And- um, let me see. We got, uh, a 
Butcher Boy, an old Butcher Boy song. I fucking love them, man. Um, it's probably I had, my favorite. Is it like an old B-15 or 16? Or? It's a B... I think it's a B-14. Yeah. Um, nice. What was that? 116-inch blades. And they like just that. run. Um, and they're easy to work on. Yeah, like These yeah. new ones. I bought a new one years ago, and it was like every fucking three months I had Hobart coming out and like fixing something or doing something. Really? I, was, I was like... Really like I'm because I was telling my dad I'm like I'm fucking over this little <laughs> saw. It isn't fucking you know it's not as big and nice as these new ones. And he's like, son, we don't need anything bigger. I'm like, well, I'm gonna get one. And I bought one. I'm like, fuck it. Like, just proving <laughs> his point. You know, I was like, god damn it, it's so fucking. They just go. They're true. Those butcher boys are just true. They just go. You can work on the motors. They're easy to work on. Um, these fucking Hobarts. The new ones are. A nightmare for me a pain in the butt yeah um ever since the beginning uh those big ticket items uh, as far as equipment um i always chose to go american yeah. and um somebody that you can actually call and talk to if you have any questions and um and that is a really really big lesson that i learned um as compared to uh any of the chinese equipment and stuff like that um you can't get parts you can't talk to anybody about it um, these guys, uh, I just give them a call and, um, they either call me back or tell me what to do right there and, um, send out free samples. They check up on me every, uh, every month, yeah. um, see how yeah. everything's going, going from there. So isn't it crazy that the bond that'll develop when you buy something from someone that stands by their product, you know, Gene has always recommended old Hickory to us and old Hickory, they build their pits not to break. They build them for people to run their restaurant. And, you know, no matter what, whenever we call, it doesn't matter when it is, you know, they're there to help us because they stand by their product. Yeah. You know, you know, conventional way you you think old business is you know we're going to make a pit that's going to work for four years and then it's going to stop so they buy us another pit but no you know they want us to keep you i mean we're using the same pit that he was using when he was competing in barbecue championships and yeah. you know we have that loyalty to them um because of that mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome and knives uh four turners yeah um let me see about 90 percent of what we do is just with a like a five inch boning knife um and i have um a large collection of the uh the rosewood handles uh i just like those yeah um that's what i started on that's uh that's what i've always been using um i've tried some of the like the ergonomic ones a couple times and i didn't like it but um it's a feel and, yeah. and I always tell people like what knives do you use? I'm like, well, I use Forstner, but it has to it has to feel good in your hand. My hands are different than everyone else's hands, so makes and it's the same. We talk about guns too. I mean, gun. You know, I ended up going getting a, a 45 the other day, and you know, I just had the guy put out the five that I was, you know, thinking of, and I'm like, I'm gonna close my eyes and you just put them in my hand, and whatever one feels feels the best is the one I'm, I'm gonna go with. Sure, yeah. That's how it happened with knives. I mean, <clears throat> for but again, I'm probably the same way as you. I've been doing it since I was a kid, and that's all I've ever used. That's just it. Just what feels natural to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and they uh, they hold up great. Keep an edge. You guys and, hone uh, your own stuff. You guys do yeah. sharpen your own stuff, and yep, don't. Yep, we sharpen and and hone in house. Um, I teach everybody uh, that comes in how to properly sharpen a knife. Um, Yeah, we don't use like the services or anything like that. How I don't even think they exist anymore. We used to get those services. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, Greg sharpening in La Mesa. Yeah, will come out. Yeah, we've definitely had some people salesmen come in and ask like no. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um. He does a an okay job. When I mean, when the bevel's getting down too too bad, and I don't have time to do it, I'll I'll send mine. How many employees do you have? Uh, let's see, four. Four. Yeah. And that's uh, they're all they can all break down and do everything. Or no, no, no. Um, yeah, that's a that's a big thing when people want to come work. Um, they all say, yeah, I want to learn how to break down an animal. Oh, like, okay. You want to you want to be QB one? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, you don't get to be QB one first. No, 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 You're no. going to be taking the pads out to the field and yeah. filling the water bottles. That water, that water. <laughs> yeah. We talk about it. We're taking the cones out. That's what's happening. I came in here after I was playing football, playing in the NFL, doing my my thing, and then uh, came in. My dad's like, I actually was selling life insurance. Um, and it just wasn't uh, sitting well with me. I came in here, and I was like, hey, I want to get out of here sometime soon. So if you want to buy it, <clears throat> I'd like to retire. I'm like, okay, I come in, 
First thing I do is I pick up a knife, grab a uh, lip on out of the case because we were low on the case, and I was going to go cut. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to cut, you know, some ribeyes for the case. He's like, no, you're not. That bathroom, it needs to be clean. You can go <laughs> clean that bathroom. I'm like, son of a bitch. Son. Nice. And then it was making the sauces for all of our, our things, and then it was dipping fucking pollo. We make pollo asada, and it's just like dipping this the chicken leg meat. You know, mm-hmm. for, for months and then learning how to make sausages and how to bone out a pork butt and <clears throat> how to do it efficiently where you're not, you know, having so much, uh, where your yield is good. And, you know, all those little steps, you know, like I, I tease, but it's like I fucking hated it, but I'm so happy I fucking did yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have to. And that's what I do with my, uh, employees. Um, number one, they have to be personable, um, and get used to talking to, uh, to customers that come in and explaining, uh, what we're all about and how it works and all that stuff. And yeah, then, your story. Um, and then from there, yeah, you, um, you're, you're cleaning, you're putting together all the spice mixture recipes and all that stuff. And how'd you come up with all that stuff? Uh, trial and error. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a lot of, uh, a lot of taste testing. Yeah. Um, R and D. Yeah, it was, uh, which isn't bad. Um, but, uh, so we're constantly kind of tweaking the recipes as we go. Um, but, um, as of right now, the, we know which ones are perfect and keep them like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're always trying something new and everybody's got to taste it. Okay. What and was it need? Does it need more salt? Does it need more? um heat something like that and then um and then we try it again and go from there so how many uh like prepared items do you guys have besides sausages do you guys do anything like marinated chicken marinated lamb like a mediterranean style lamb so we are constantly changing um and trying to see what works and what doesn't in that area um lamb is a tough one for uh for north park um but um Anyway, to answer your question, so we do uh, marinated like steak tips. We do carne asada, pollo asada, um, and uh, what uh, cut are you using for carne? Uh, sirloin tip. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, and then we have, uh, of course, all of our charcuterie, and then we do sandwiches and all that stuff too. So, yeah. What um, do you guys have coming up for the holidays, and how do you? set your holiday hours because that's something that has evolved for us as a restaurant back when we had 18 employees it was different we were open 365 but yeah. are you guys open on christmas and, and new year's mm, what we're gonna do is what we've done in the past is actually close for that whole week in between mm-hmm. um christmas and new year's um i think we're going to stay open maybe a couple of the days mm-hmm. uh before new year's a lot of people are looking for fillets and, and stuff like that for parties um so um i haven't really figured it out yet yeah. what i want to do but um we're definitely going to be open a couple no, of days i think you're, you're spot on i'd recommend that because what we find is that after everyone gets their prime ribs for christmas a lot of them are done with with that, but they still have family in town that's staying, and they want to do something nice for them, so they'll come in and get a fillet or come in and get something. You know, we are finding the day after Thanksgiving's been historically the the slowest day of the year for us, mm-hmm. and uh, this year it was just slammed, and really? it was just people just coming in like they're done with turkey, they don't want to fucking see a turkey anymore, <laughs> and they're like, you know, we still have this family in town, and they're not fucking leaving for like three more days. So what can we come and get? So they're getting the carne asadas, the, the like you said, fillets, um, just to kind of feed them, and so they didn't have to eat turkey anymore. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I was like, you know, we staffed really, really light, mm-hmm. and we got our asses kicked. Um, yeah, that. Friday and Saturday because usually they're they're pretty slow and we we got annihilated. I I came in Thanksgiving morning and I even Thanksgiving was busy. You know, usually when it's people just kind of picking up turkeys and I was so surprised I had to stay till almost two o'clock. You Jeez. know, just uh, doing stuff and you know. Yeah, we kind of saw that too. It was uh, the week after is usually pretty slow for us, but um, it's been or it was pretty busy. Um, 
That's funny you say that. Yeah, it was like, like I said. We actually got our ass kicked. We had to take you know every after every holiday for our manager meetings. I sit down and tell everyone to write me a recap on what we did good and what we can do better. And everyone was basically like, "Hey, staffing. We need we need more staff on these days because you know we're we're chasing our tails trying to get shit. And you know sometimes our cases look like shit if we're out of beer and you know we don't have a person that's coming in to stock up all the beers and people are just kind of running around looks like there's holes everywhere but there we actually have the product but we just don't have the person to put it out yeah it's, uh, it's, it's a it's a it's it's tough to balance and figure out um some days or some years um like that week will be really slow and um so we remember that the next year okay this is going to be a slow week and then we're slammed and we're just like yeah. what's the difference less make sure you write it all down that's yeah. something sean's helped me out with a lot is making sure that i, I write, write everything down and um now i'm you know putting that onto my employees and stuff it's it's like, oh, I think last year we we're, and this is what I used to do all the time. Like last year, I think we were pretty busy on this day. And I'm like, why, why don't I have a journal? Why don't I have just a log where I know exactly In the what cloud, we did? Preferably. Yeah. Google, Google Doc or Google Spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, we joke around about it, but literally getting that stuff digitally is the most important thing, whether you're using Evernote or something. It, when you open a business, you don't have any historical data, data to go off. Mm-hmm. You're just looking in the crystal ball and you're like, shit, it, it feels like it's going to be busy. Maybe we should staff up. But, you know, the more that we go back now that we've been in business and go back and look at that historical data, that we can go, shit, it, it's slow. We need to staff down. Like, we really need to staff down or we need to find marketing ways to find, you know, ways to get people to come in. Sure. And, um, you know, for us, we, we, Derek and I really appreciate you taking the time you know, to come here and come behind the smoke, tell us your journey. Um, we want everybody that's listening to follow at San Diego Butcher, um, interact on Twitter, on, on Instagram. Uh, one of the coolest things that from doing this podcast is people are sharing their journey, um, the butcher shops that they own, whether it's in Australia or Norway or Los Angeles or San Francisco, Philly, um, Texas, doesn't really matter. Uh, if you're doing your thing and you're uh, enjoying the podcast we really appreciate it and um it's an honor for us to you know sit sit down and bullshit with you for a little bit yeah have you come in and being transparent you know it's 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 cool and it's cool to talk to someone else that understands breaking down meat it's very it's a rare breed nowadays people don't understand it anymore yeah definitely um i like to say thanks to you guys for uh, letting me come on and um yeah we have uh we do have more handles um the heart and trotter uh, at the Heart and Trotter on Twitter, um, Facebook, and uh, and Instagram too. So um, yeah, we're always always posting new and fun stuff um, on all of those. And uh, no, we love it. If uh, anybody ever has any questions, um, if they want to open up their own butcher shop, if they want to, um, they want to want a job. Um, yeah. we're, we're always or if open. they want to pay you to pay come you to, yeah. <laughs> to, be, to be an apprentice, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll have to get you out to, we do cooking classes too. And we break down stuff and we, we show them where that's coming from. So we'll invite you out to the next one. That would be awesome. Cool. Yeah. Sounds thank good. Thank you for uh, coming behind the smoke. Everybody. Um, if you take the time to write us a review on iTunes, we appreciate that. And, um, hopefully everyone has a kick-ass holiday. Um, sh- send us your photos, get your export ribs, yeah. order them, you know, Thanks, my man. Yeah, bro.